Yes, hello listeners and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're all well, as today we're set for another team preview ahead of the new season, kicking off this weekend. However, one league that in fact starts next weekend is Serie A, the league that I love to cover. And that's where our focus turns to today. More specifically, Internazionale, Inter or Inter Milan, however you pronounce it. Everyone's got a different way of saying it, but I'll leave it up to you. But today, we're looking ahead to Inter season to come after coming so close to European glory last year, narrowly losing to Manchester City in the final. I, as I'm sure many of you, are keen to find out what lies ahead for the Nezazuri this season. And to give us the lowdown, I'm delighted to welcome Mr. Nima Tavali Radsari to the podcast. Hey, good to be with you. Lovely stuff. Anyone who doesn't know Nima um, or doesn't follow him on Twitter, he is one half of the Italian football podcast and a very well-respected journalist, especially when it comes to Serie A and Inter. Being an Inter fan, it makes it all the better, I believe, because I believe fans give a more passionate insight to the club and they just know a lot more anyway. So it's so much easier to talk about a team ahead of the season, especially from a fan, but also a journalist and someone who knows everything it comes to know really when it comes to Inter. Um, In terms of where we're going to start, we're going to look back at last season very quickly And Nima, I'm keen to know your thoughts on the campaign just gone. Obviously, a third place finish in the league and a Champions League final. Um, What were your thoughts on last season and the general sort of feeling from the Inter fan base? Well, it was a very weird season, wasn't it? I mean, it was a strange season. It was in large part very reminiscent of the... 94 season when Inter won the UEFA Cup, uh, almost getting relegated. I mean, here there was no, there was never an issue with getting relegated, but 12 defeats, 11 defeats, uh, is at least seven, eight, two def- defeats too many, um, uh, in the league. And they got to the final of the Champions League, they won two trophies, it's the Supercoppa and the Coppa Italia. So it was very, very bipolar season if you will it was very there was no in between it was either really really good or really really crap um the the season itself it, it was a very strange season um but i mean at the end of it the history books will say to finish third uh they went to the final of the european of the european cup champions league for the sixth time in their history um and they won two trophies uh and and that's 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 a good that's a decent season it's a good season overall but it was a very strange season very um polarizing season it was you know there was no inter were all the as i said inter were really good or really bad there was no you know there was no in-betweens with inter it was very strange yeah absolutely agree it was it was odd watching them throughout the whole campaign you never really knew what to expect one week to the next how they were going to perform which players would perform well which players wouldn't perform well and as you say, it was a bit all over the place, but you, you said it right there, you know, history only remembers, you know, the achievements. And as you say, two trophies, Champions League football for this coming season and a Champions League final, um, albeit a Champions League final, which I felt that they were unlucky in, to be honest, because I felt that they gave Manchester City a very, very good game. They neutralised City in a lot of areas of the pitch and, you know, you know, what could have been if, if Lukaku had, um, you know, put it in the back of the net. But 
it is what it is now. Um, that is that is unfortunately history, and you know we now can look forward to the season to come. Um, in terms of that, looking at the transfer window, obviously Inter not the most uh, financially astute club at the moment. We know that they've got you know a lot of um, a lot of debt, and we know that in general Serie A clubs don't have anywhere near the kind of spending power that. The Premier League does. I mean, not many other leagues, probably apart from the Saudi Arabian League, have the kind of spending money Premier League clubs have. But in terms of what Inter can spend and what have spent already this this summer, I mean, they've brought in David David Fratesi, uh, Marcus Taram on a free transfer, Juan Cuadrado on a free transfer, and uh, Jan Sommer. How happy at first of all are you with those transfers that have come in and? Do you expect Inter to still do a lot of business? Obviously, I know they're heavily linked to Valar and Balogun, um, who we'll get onto in into a moment. But what are your thoughts so far into the window? Well, Lazar Samardzic has just arrived in Milan to sign. Emi Laudero is going to do his medical as well. So they are bringing in... So they, they have signed those two as well. They're going to be unveiled tomorrow. They're going to have their medicals and be unveiled tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's what Inter have done is they've focused on rejuvenating the attack and the midfield. That's what they're doing. Um, Brozovic was sold uh, and Fratesi came in now Samarjic is coming in uh, it's um, they they are building for the future because Mkhitaryan's contract expires next year, he's not getting any younger um, so you know the, the, reju- the rejuvenation, the new project has begun um, and uh, the Inter of the future, and you know, a Jekyll left, Turam was brought in, Lautaro's you know, made the cap permanent captain, he's going to probably sign a contract extension, Barella as well, there's talk of that, Bastoni and Chalanoglu extended their contracts, uh, Aslani's going to be given more minutes as a second season, he has to really prove himself this season, uh, Quadrado came in to offer something different on the right, meaning someone who can dribble and beat his man, although he's past the work, he is past his best, he can still do a job for Inter on the right wing, alternating with Denzel Dumfries. Uh, on the left, you've got, still got Di Marco and Gorsens, Gorsens decided to stay. They brought in Jan Bisek, a young German under-21 international who can, in defence, who can play both on the right and the left. Um... Uh, Acerbi was signed permanently. Jansom and Audero were brought in to replace Handanovic and Onana. Um, now, Jansomer is a, I think, is a very good goalkeeper. I think he's very underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to take some time for him to to take over because they, I mean, it's the, it's an entirely new goalkeeping. You know, it's an entire new goal, three set of goalkeepers. Onana, Cordas, Handanovic, all gone. Uh, Di Gennaro, uh, sorry, yeah, Di Gennaro, um Aldero and Sommer are all new. All of them are new arrivals. It's going to take some time. Um, I think it's a. I think I like the transfer window. I think the midfield is set for a few years now. Um, I think if they, it depends on who they bring in. I'm not a big fan of. I'm not big. Big fan is a, is a wrong. It's too strong. But I would have preferred to bring someone in like Tarimi uh, or even Alvaro Morata. Uh, to Bal- Balogun in terms of the striker, but we, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but uh, no, I, I think Inter have, have done what they wanted to do. They're rebuilding it, uh, you know, and, and continuing a little bit on what they did towards the end of last season, meaning they want to have two sets of starting 11s. There's going to be a lot of rotation, two sets of starting 11s uh, that are somewhat of the same quality and, and, and 
you know, and that's what Inzaghi's going to go with because he wants, you know, Inter have made it clear they want to win the Serie A title. They've been absolutely clear about that. So that's the target, the second star, uh, Scudetto number 20. So, no, I, I think it's so far it's been, it's it's a decent season. Uh, it's, it's a decent transfer window. I'm not as disappointed as some are because I, I tend to, not just in football, but in life also, adapt and adjust my expectations to the reality at hand and the reality at hand is that inter just like other clubs in in italy uh because of how it looks because of the final the revenue streams in italian football being as awful and dreadful as they are um they have to sell before they buy um milan did it napoli did it juve will fall will have to do it um, and and so will inter the, the inter's finances are actually looking better than they have in a long long time i mean Last two summers, they had to. They've been forced to end the transfer window on a profit. This summer, that's not the case. Um, they can go plus minus zero, and they will go plus minus zero. Um, and they have also managed to lower their wages, and they will continue to do so. Um, so, because I think a Serie A club will have to have a wage bill of around 110, 100, 100, 110 million euros gross per year for the squad. And I think that's what Inter are working towards. I think they'll come. They'll cut from 134 down to 120 by this year, uh, or when this season starts uh, fully. So, no, it looks good. I'm, I'm I'm fairly optimistic. I think it's an Inter that's going to try to win the Coppa Italia and the Supercoppa, try to win the Serie A, and then see what happens in the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. There's a you know a lot of points there that I felt you were spot on with. I mean, I'm I agree, you know, hundred percent with the transfers that. Have already come in. I think Quadrado is you know very good backup to Denzel Dumfries. Sommer is a very good goalkeeper for how much they've paid for him. Considering you know I saw them linked with the likes of uh, Hugo Lloris and David de Gea. I don't know how true those were, but you know I'm so glad that they've got Sommer ahead of those two other options, uh, particularly Lloris because I think he's dreadful. Um, and as you say, Fratesi, I watched him, you know, a fair amount last season for Sassuolo and, you know, very, very impressive, as is Marcus Duram on a free transfer. You know, many, many clubs were were after him, PSG, you know, Milan, and I think Inter were, you know, very, not fortunate, but they did very well to, to beat those rivals to his signature. And in terms of the outgoings, obviously, they've lost Edin Dzeko, um, Lukaku has gone back to Chelsea and is seemingly now stuck at Chelsea. Uh, we, you know, mentioned about Onana. You know, they've made a huge profit on him. Obviously, they got him on a free from Ajax. Uh, Brozovic has gone to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Piemonte has gone to Swirlo. Um, obviously, we know about Skriniar went to PSG on a free. That was already sort of done back in January. But just looking at the the striking options, obviously, that's one area in particular. I think where. They are short at the moment. Obviously, they have Lotaro, who is, you know, arguably the star of the team. And it's going to be interesting who they do decide to go for in that position. Obviously, we mentioned Falar and Balogun. Um, I think they were unlucky not to bring in Skamaka. I think that would have been, you know, one of the most perfect signings that they could have possibly made. Obviously, he's gone to Atalanta. Um, with Balogun, though, you know, myself being an Arsenal fan, you know, obviously we've known about him for a couple of years now, and his season last year for Reims, you know, was was it was absolutely incredible to to score the that many goals. In obviously the French league is 
isn't the same standard as the Premier League and is probably the um, lowest quality out of the top five European leagues. But still to do that with 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 Reims, who you know arguably a mid-table team in France, and to be up there with the likes of Mbappe and and, and Messi and Lacazette and you know other players in that kind of uh, ilk, I think was so so impressive and. I would personally love to see a Balogun Martinez partnership up front. It would be very intriguing to watch. And I think it just depends on how much Inter could possibly get him for from Arsenal because obviously they don't want to spend too much. I think they want to spend around 30 million euros plus add ons. Um, Arsenal want a lot more than that. I think Monaco are also interested in him as well. And I can understand why Arsenal want more for him because. You know, you've got the likes of Gonzalo Ramos from Benfica, who's just gone to PSG for 70, 80 million euros and, you know, you know scored less goals than Balogun in a, in a lesser league last year. And, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see who they who they do indeed end up with. Um, if you were to have, have a free choice right now of, you know, realistic targets, who would your ideal, you know, striking partner for Lataro Martinez be? I think someone, I mean, ideally, if we're just looking on who would be ideal for Lautaro, but it's not going to happen because he's an idiot and he burned his bridges, it would be Romelu Lukaku. I mean, no other players worked as well next to Lautaro as Romelu Lukaku. But he decided to nuke his bridges with Inter and, and create an absolute shit show for no reason. Uh, well, for reasons that only he understands. Mm. Um, but uh, if we're talking other than that tactically, I think Mehdi Taremi is the player who's the most complete uh, from Porto, who I think would be outstanding next to him. I think Skamaka would have been great. I think Turam and Lautaro will work really well together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Balogun is a different kind of striker. He's more, I saw Martin Keown compare him or draw similes to Ian Wright. And I think that's a pretty good. I agree with that because I, I remember watching Ian Wright play, and I think there are similarities between them. He's more of a get round the back and score kind of striker. He's not your hold up player. He's not your. He's more of a your killer in the box, a goal scorer. And Piero Auxilio, the Inter director, Inter sporting director, kind of confirmed that the other day, um, saying that. So it is uh, quite obvious that they are looking for a goal scorer. But of course, Inzaghi's looking for something, you know, he he's not entirely convinced, and neither am I, because Balogun, you know, yes, he makes sense financially because he's also homegrown English, because he did, you know, represent England at youth level, although he's chosen to play for the US men's national team. Um, you know, it's a good investment. He's young in, in two years, three years' time, you can double, you know, if he has a good couple of years, you can get 60, 70 million for him. Um, but I'm not convinced that that the price tag is worth it. Uh, Arsenal asking for 40, 40, 45 million euro pounds and Inter don't have that money to play, to spend on a third striker. I'm sorry. Uh, and in that situation, I'd rather bring someone who's more ready to back up role. Fair enough than bring someone who's ready because that's what you need from a backup player. A backup player needs to be more experienced and needs to hit the ground running. You don't have time to develop um, uh, and, and, and to grow into it as a backup player. And Balogun, I think is a is a good player. I just don't think he's a good fit tactically and and also role wise for Inter. Yeah, uh, that, that's fair enough. I mean, do you think in hindsight that 
maybe it was um, a mistake to let Edin Dzeko leave for Turkey, or do you think it Absolutely was? Absolutely not. That was the smartest move. That look, Dzeko, I'm incredibly grateful for what he did. I think he's a fantastic player, class, technical, technically, and footballing IQ wise, fantastic player. No one expected him to have the impact he had these two years at Inter at this age, but his football IQ is through the roof. Um, but having said that, the man's almost 40 years old and it's, yeah. it's obvious that he was, he just, I mean, you saw what happened in the Champions League final. He looked, he looked old. Yeah. Um, he looked tired and old and that, and that's not, you don't want, you, you can't have that at this level, um, the level that Inter want to be at. So they should have brought, so, so it was good to part ways. No, no, they need to sign. The, the issue was the way that the Lukaku thing was handled from both ends as well. I mean, Lukaku's an idiot. Everybody knows that. Yeah. He's very, very fickle. He's very childish. He's He's got a very, 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 very sensitive ego. Uh, and he creates these situations all the time. There's nothing new. But I think Inter should have handled it better. Uh, he's a Ch- he was a Chelsea player. He has every right to go to Chelsea. He's a, yeah, sorry, he has every right to not to negotiate with other teams. And Inter should have known that. And this notion of, you know, oh, we've we've done so much for you, Lukaku, you should... No, I don't, um, to me, that's nonsense. He's not your player. It's business. It's not personal. And he's a Chelsea player. If you want, he's not your player until you signed the contract. Then you can have these demands on him. Fair enough. Him not answering the phone for three days like a petulant teenager is, is ridiculous. But then again, that's Romelu Lukaku. You knew that. So... You know the, the the drama that ensued after that was was pretty unnecessary, and having the dressing team dressing room get involved and teammates calling him and him not replying is the whole thing became so so cheap and so Love Island drama unnecessary that it was just it was it was not well handled by anyone. Um, but it is what it is. Everyone's spoken about it. Inter say that they feel betrayed. You don't want that kind of person in the dressing room and blah blah blah. So you know clearly they 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 feel really strongly about this, um, and 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 they're all their feelings are hurt and they feel stabbed in the back. So it is what it is. What can you do? This is it. I mean, I really don't know where he actually goes from here now because it's clear that the Juventus fans don't want him either. Whether they end up even doing a deal. Um, you know, that is Chelsea and and, and Juventus. Um, for Lukaku, obviously, the the link, the, the rumour was that Chelsea were going to, you know, offer Lukaku plus a fee for, for Dusan Vlahovic. Um, it's a transfer that I don't understand one single bit. I don't think it benefits either club at all, to be honest with you. So, I you know, I don't want to see that happen. I think it would be a huge mistake for Juventus anyway. But I think at the moment for Lukaku, there's only one real road and that's and that's to Saudi Arabia because it's evident that he's not going to play at Chelsea. He's not in Chelsea's plans. And well he's completely made himself impossible at Chelsea and he's completely made himself impossible at Inter, just like he made himself impossible at Chelsea uh, at Man United, at uh, at, uh, um, at Everton. I mean the man he he he's I don't understand the only two clubs, I think West Brom don't hate him and Anderlecht love him. But other than that, he, he has made himself hated everywhere he goes. And at some point, you've got to go, 
well maybe it's not everyone else maybe it's you um yeah and it's that's the situation although i think he would do really well tactically at juve i disagree with you there actually i think he would do really well at allegri's juve because he's still a striker that can get you the 15 20 goals in the Serie I scores these unsexy goals against the Empolis and Leches and Hellas Veronas mm-hmm. and that's that's how you win a league um so I think him at Juve would would do really really well uh, under Allegri and also if Conte's going there as well and as for the fans well if he starts scoring goals and wins them a trophy I don't you know football fans are fickle they'll forget as well forgive and forget and also the fact they'll turn the fact that he's hated by Inter into something positive at Juve, but the, it is a mess. It is an it is an absolute mess. They, as things stand right now, Juve fans absolutely don't want him. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, this is it. As as you know, there's still you know two, three, you know, four weeks. I'm not sure. You know, the transfer deadline day seems to change every year, but I'm sure there'll still be you know, a lot of uh, twists and turns before the window ends. And like we say at the moment, it's you know anyone's guess where he does end up. One one other area I didn't want to uh, touch upon, actually, is the stadium update, because we've seen for a, a, a number of years now that, that Inter and, and AC were, were looking at new stadiums. Um, from what I believe, they were separate stadiums. They weren't going to share one again, and that San Siro um, was likely to be demolished. But from what I've seen today... That now looks unlikely. So you obviously know a lot more than me on the subject, Nima. So perhaps you can fill us in on, you know, the situation for both clubs, really, but more specifically in a. No, no, no. Well, the the the, the joint Milan Inter San Siro project is now officially dead. It's over. It's done. Um, they the Milan City Council and the local government declared that the second tier nothing else just the second tier is a has architectural is of such architectural importance that it makes it a cultural a building of cultural significance which means it can't be torn down because you can't turn tear down the first tier and not have the second tier come tumbling down unless you know how to levitate like harry potter but um that's 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 dead um the, the 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 common the joint san siro project is dead uh, milan have already begun looking into uh, have already looked at looked at and, and acquired a business vehicle to build their new stadiums, and they're looking at San Donato, which is not part of Metropolitan Milan, from what I understand, but just slightly outside. Uh, while Inter are looking at Rozzano, which is an underdeveloped area, which is also not in the city or metropolitan, like the the, the actual city of Milan in that sense, but you can still get there fairly easily via metro, as as Milan is a huge city. Um, so you know and that that area is underdeveloped, and now they have to do that. Now that both clubs have to show that they mean business, and they have to go quickly, and they have to get something built quickly, uh, and they have to show that they mean business, and let the people who have been fighting them every step of the way to, well, enjoy your big slab of century-old concrete marinated in piss, because that's what the San Siro is. It's old. Look, I've been I've been lucky enough to be at the San Siro. 30 40 times i love it both as journalist accredited covering champions league europa league Serie A games and also as a as a fan it's an unbelievable stadium and nothing beats the atmosphere of the san siro at an evening game you know songs written about the lights of san siro lighting up the milan sky all of that is true 
But at the end of the day, it's a football stadium and it's no longer fit for purpose. It was the foundations of it are a hundred years old almost. Um, and that's all there is to say it. I mean, you, the San Siro is no more historic than Wembley was, and Wembley was torn down and rebuilt again because it was out of date. Mm. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't fit for purpose anymore, and the San Siro is not fit for purpose. So now they have to try to modernize something that can't be modernized. I'm sure they can do something decent or okay with it, but it's still very very old. The foundations are a hundred years old, and it's going to cost the taxpayer locally a lot of money um, to keep this up. But you know more fool them i mean this is what happens when you when you have a generation of people in charge who or specific you know specific generation of people in charge who think that everything that they have experienced in their lives needs to be preserved is because they're so self-important that they think that everything in their lives is so much more important than everything else life is a continuous process it's, it keeps rolling along we're not talking about turning the coliseum into a mcdonald's drive-through we're talking about a football stadium that is no longer fit for purpose, meaning it's no longer a modern football stadium. It's an archaic block of of concrete that is just unusable. Mm. And it, we're talking about revenue streams in Italian football. They would have made each about 70, 80 million euros more last year had they owned their own stadiums with the amount of people that come that i mean average attendance over seventy thousand. yeah um so almost two million tickets sold over last season both you know inter and, and milan together almost four million so that that to me is just that, that says it all for me to be honest um i don't understand what people are thinking but you know now the decision is made and it's irreversible so uh, Inter and Milan have to move on and I think that's that's good because now you know enjoy you know now because in the decision it also said that the city the council of Milan have to start taking care of it meaning they will have to look into this and go well we need to start raising a hell of a lot of money to to find a way to rebuild and refurbish and and and, and take care of it uh, and and that has to be financed who's going to pay for it That'll be interesting. I can tell you now that the local taxpayer will be zero interested in paying for it. Um, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. As I say, um, you know, I've I've been lucky enough as well to visit San Siro once, and you know, without a doubt, it's an incredible sight. And you know, I can I can understand you know both points. I think you know I'll draw similarities in in, in a sense to. To, to to Arsenal being an Arsenal fan when when we left Highbury, you know, it was a stadium that was adored and loved by the by the fan base and whatnot. And although it wasn't, you know, unfit for purpose at the time, you know, the the club knew that the size of the fan base, we needed a bigger stadium. We went to the Emirates. It wasn't an incredibly popular decision back then, but it's now it's now home. And as you say, it's 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 a stadium. You know, the fan the fans, you know, they they, they learn to love a new stadium as time goes on and you know i do agree with you there it you know it is obviously extremely old and it does look run down and i think it's quite a running theme as well in, in in italy in general you know a lot of clubs um have have very old stadium stadiums that you know are in desperate need of you know either some kind of reconstruction or just you know knocking down entirely in a new stadium completely and um 
you, you know, do you, do you think that we may see something like that in, in, in the coming years or are clubs just going to be sort of left to their own devices as it will and we'll have to try and find No, something? if Italian football wants to survive and not end up being the seventh league in Europe, they have to start, they have to own and build their own stadiums and luckily more and more people are understanding that in Italy because football is a huge industry in Italy. Uh, and if it collapses, it will cause, you know, it, it will cause a financial crisis in Italy. That's how big football is. So they need to protect it. They need to make it, modernize it. And that's what they're doing. And more and more clubs are doing that. I mean, where there's talk of getting the Euros to Italy and part, and in order to do that, they have to build new stadiums. It's as simple as that. Um, and more and more clubs are looking to it. Roma, I know, Lazio are interested. Udinese already have. Atalanta have refurbished their old stadium and modernized it piece by piece. Um, and, and that's what, that's kind of all done. Um, I know that Hellas Verona were looking at it before the pandemic. We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, Napoli wanted to as well. I know they were, they're still very keen on that. Fiorentina as well. Florence. Um, no, no, it will happen. It, it needs to happen. It must happen. Yeah, uh, there's there's no other choice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I believe I also read something the other day that was it Salernitana who are also um... yeah Salernitana as well. Cagliari have been working on theirs. Um, you know, there's 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 many clubs working on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I you know 100 agree. That's something that needs to be looked at. You know, urgently and hopefully, if Italy do indeed get the Euros, um, it's something that will you know lift. Um, Italian football in general, but you know, also help so many clubs. Um, you know, with, with you know, not just with uh, attendances and and having a and having a lovely stadium, but like I say, financially, most importantly, to to really help them compete with the other major European leagues. Because you know, as you mentioned, you don't want Serie A, you know, slipping and slipping and slipping, um, and eventually being, as you mentioned, the sixth or seventh best league in. In European football, um, yeah. in terms, you know, just to just to round up the the club direction and looking ahead of, you know, this season. Obviously, we mentioned it briefly that Inter's goal this season is obviously this Squadetto. It is to win the Coppa Italia, the Super Coppa, and to do, you know, as well as they possibly can in the Champions League again. Um, and 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 I think that you know that's one hundred percent right because looking at Serie A right now, I think it's completely wide open. Just like I thought it was last season, although Napoli made a bit of a mockery of that, I don't feel that they will be as strong again this season. And I feel like the clubs behind them have bridged a gap in in the transfer window. So, in your opinion, do you do you view Inter as as the favourites, and and who who do you feel are the team's best equipped to really win the league. I think right now I don't like to do these things before the transfer window closes. And you know yeah. we were this is being recorded on August 9th. There's like there's three weeks left. Yeah. And I expect a lot to happen. Juve haven't done anything uh, and they have to do something. So I think Juve playing one game a week by virtue of being Juve and Allegri being Allegri are in the title race. I think Napoli have to be if they if Kim is the only one that leaves. Um, although I have no faith in uh, Rudy Garcia as a coach at all. 
um, other than getting them to a top four finish, but to win to win the Serie A, mm, not not quite there. Um, but they'll be involved. I think Milan is very interesting. I think Atalanta could are a dark horse. Lazio are a dark horse. Let's remember they finished second. Inter are definitely in there. I, I really think you can make a case for five teams to win it this year. But again, I don't want to really go into it right now. I want to wait until the transfer window closes because then we'll have more clarity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I see what you mean because um, I am the same in that sense. I don't like to to mention these things because we did this last season for our for our predictions and um you know Cristiano Ronaldo ended up leaving Juventus and um basically everything sort of you know went a little you know went a little bit pitong so um no I completely understand and I do feel that there are five maybe six teams all within a you know shout of Serie A this season 100% and it will I think for me come down to who ends the transfer window with the best business and hopefully, you know, all of the major clubs can keep hold of their, you know, most valuable players and we can hopefully see a fantastic season and more, more importantly, a, you know, a, a thrilling title race this year. Um, but that does conclude us for this team preview podcast. We have run out of time for today, but I do want to say a massive thank you to Nima for giving me and, all of you listeners, his time today. Fantastic insight into Inter and into their season to come. And we will put all of his details in the description, including his Twitter. So please do give him a follow on there. And uh, hopefully one day this season, we can possibly have him back on if uh, there's something very juicy to talk about when it comes to Inter or just in Inter in general. But yeah, thank you again, Nima, for your time. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. And uh, yeah, let's touch base in the season. Wonderful stuff. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.